0: The reading is taken this morning from Haggai 1, 1 through 11. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does not put them into a bag with holes. Thus say the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up into the hills and bring wood and build a house, that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? declares the Lord of hosts. Because of my house that lies in ruins, While each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and on what ground brings forth, on man and beast, and on all their labors. Maybe city.
1: Good morning. It's good to be together this morning. Appreciate the time that we've been able to spend in worship together. Appreciate Ben leading us in our singing. What a great job he's done with that. We have a number of great song leaders here at Seven Oaks, so we're thankful that he's joined that rotation. I'm thankful to be back with you this morning. I I missed you last Sunday morning. I know that you had a good preacher here, John Dale, who filled in and did a great job. Leslie and I enjoyed getting to be with our youth at CYC and Pigeon Forge. There's a lot of great young people here. And Leslie and I enjoyed getting the opportunity to build relationships with them, but glad to be back. Glad to be back together in this place, worshiping our risen Savior. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the first chapter of the book of Haggai. Haggai chapter 1 and we're going to be studying in what was just read for us, verses 1 through 11. If you have your Bibles and you'd like to join me there, Haggai chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. This morning, we're beginning a series of sermons through the book of Haggai, a series that we're going to entitle Rebuild. As we think about that overall title, Rebuild, I want you to stow away a word in your mind as we begin. And that's the word priority. That's what the first 11 verses of Haggai chapter 1 is all about. It's a question of priority. It's a text about priority. So stow that word away in your mind for just a few minutes, and we're going to circle back to it. I came across an article from the summer of 2016 about a 22-year-old Chinese man named Zhao. He had just graduated from college, and one of his favorite hobbies from the time that he was little was to build Legos. He absolutely loved to build Legos. And it just so happened that in the summer of 2016, a Lego expo was coming to his hometown. So he decided that he was going to build something for it. He decided that he was going to build the fox from the Disney movie Zootopia. I don't know who out there has seen that movie, but that's what he decided to build. It took him about three days to build it. If you're wondering how many Legos make up that sculpture, it was about 10,000. And when he finished building those 10,000 Legos, putting them together over a three-day period, when he was finished with it, it was worth about $15,000. So the day of the expo finally came. The sculpture had been on display for about one hour. They had just opened whenever a five-year-old little boy who also loved Legos caught his parents with their backs turned. He went under, you know where this is going, don't you? He went under the red rope that was surrounding the sculpture that Zal had made over the last three days. He wasn't content to just look at it. As any five-year-old boy would have to do, he had to reach out and touch it. And when he reached out to touch it, he pushed it just a little bit too hard, toppled over, and broke into thousands of pieces. 10,000 Legos worth $15,000 built over a three-day period after only being on display for one hour was destroyed, completely destroyed, in just a few seconds. When we turn our attention to the book of Haggai, the Jews, the people of Judah knew what it was like to experience destruction. In fact, they knew what it was like to experience complete destruction. When you turn in your Bible to 2 Kings 24 and 25, you read about the Babylonians entering into Jerusalem, destroying Jerusalem, and taking the people of Judah into captivity. A captivity that they remained in for about 70 years. God had warned them so many different times. God had warned them through prophets like Isaiah, prophets like Jeremiah, prophets like Habakkuk. He had told them on so many different occasions to turn away from their sin and to be the people that He wanted them to be, but they refused to listen. They refused to repent of their evil and wicked ways. So in 587 B.C., after beginning the siege about 21 years earlier, King Nebuchadnezzar led the Babylonian army into Jerusalem and completely leveled the city. They tore down the city walls. As they entered into the city, the the record says that they burnt down every single building in the city. People's homes, people's businesses were burnt to the ground. And perhaps the worst part of what the Babylonians did in Jerusalem is what they did to the temple. God's house. The place where God's presence dwelt. The place where God was worshipped by His people in the Old Testament time. First, they looted it. They went in and took out all the precious materials. They took all the gold and silver and bronze for themselves. Then they burned it to the ground. Jerusalem was completely and utterly devastated. Every single building, including the temple, was burnt to ashes, the city walls were torn down, and the people of Judah were subsequently taken into captivity. Well you fast forward about seventy years, and the Medo Persian Empire overthrows the Babylonian Empire. Under the reign of King Cyrus, the king of the Medo-Persians, the people of Judah were allowed to return back home. They were allowed to go back to Jerusalem after experiencing so much devastation and 70 years of captivity. There were a few different waves of that. You can read about it in the first two chapters of the book of Ezra. But remember, as, as they go back home, as they return to the city of Jerusalem, they're returning to nothing. They're returning to a city that is lying in shambles, lying in ashes, lying in complete ruin. I think this picture does a good job of, of illustrating it. You can imagine them in a line. They're returning from Babylon back to Jerusalem and they're talking amongst themselves. You know, whenever we left Jerusalem 70 years ago, it was in flames. And you could still see the smoke going up into the sky. I wonder what it looks like now. I can tell you what it looked like. It was destroyed. And it wasn't just destroyed, but it had been laying destroyed for 70 years. Whenever you return to something that has experienced such a high level of devastation, what's the next step? The next step is to rebuild. And that's what the book of Haggai is all about. Here are the people of Judah returning to the city of Jerusalem to rebuild their home to rebuild their city that had been destroyed 70 years prior. Rebuild. It's a word that we're becoming more and more familiar with, isn't it? We began the process of rebuilding here in Mayfield. It was almost three months ago, can you believe that? In some ways, it feels like a short amount of time. In other ways, it feels like a really long amount of time. Just three months ago, an EF4 tornado ripped through our city. And perhaps when we look at our city, when we look at our home, we can relate just a little bit to what the Jews felt whenever they returned back to Jerusalem. Just like Jerusalem had been destroyed, all that you have to do is drive downtown to see a city that has been destroyed. Just like the city of Jerusalem was devastated, there are parts of our city, there are parts in our county that have been completely and utterly devastated. Buildings that once served such special purposes now lying on the ground. Some of them cleaned up where it doesn't even look like a building was there in the first place we look at the destruction that our home has experienced the devastation that our city has undergone in the last 3 months what's the next step the next step is to rebuild and many people have already began that process of rebuilding it's not going to happen in a short amount of time Into the foreseeable future in Mayfield, we're going to be rebuilding homes, rebuilding businesses. We're going to be rebuilding our community, rebuilding our infrastructure. Just like we are seeking to rebuild Mayfield, and you can see signs about that all throughout town. When we look at the book of Haggai, the people of Judah are looking to rebuild the city of Jerusalem And that brings us to the first 11 verses of Haggai chapter 1 where we're talking about what? We're talking about priority. When you look in the first 11 verses, or really just the first couple verses of the book of Haggai, God has a problem with His people. As they go about this rebuilding process, as they are attempting to rebuild the destroyed city of Jerusalem, God has an issue with them. What is that problem? What is the issue that God has with the people of Judah as they seek to rebuild? You don't have to read very far to find it. When you look in the second verse of Haggai chapter 1, you find that, of course, this message is coming from God. God is speaking through His prophet Haggai to two specific individuals. He's speaking first to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, who was the Persian governor of Judah at the time. And then He's speaking to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, who was serving as the high priest. Here's God speaking through His prophet Haggai to the leaders of the nation of Judah. He looks at them in chapter 1 and verse 2 and says, here's the problem that I have with you. Here's the problem that I have with your rebuilding process. He says, these people, pause. You can see there's a problem there, can't you? Throughout the Old Testament, God identifies the nation of Israel. Later on, He identifies the nation of Judah as My people. He claims them for Himself. These are My people. I am their God. We have that relationship with one another. Notice in chapter 1 and verse 2, that relationship is in existent. That relationship isn't there. He doesn't say my people. He says these people. What's the problem? These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Remember, Jerusalem is lying in shambles, lying in ruin, including the temple. And as the Jews went about their rebuilding process, they had a mindset, an attitude that said, it's not time to rebuild the temple yet. When you read through the early chapters of the book of Ezra, Ezra talks about how the Jews had started to rebuild the temple. They laid the foundation, but they didn't get very far on the project. They ended up giving up on it. And here's part of the reason for it. Haggai tells them, God looks at them and says, These people, they have an attitude, they have a mindset that says, It's not time to rebuild the temple yet. It's lying in rubble. It's lying in shambles. And it can stay that way for the next little while. It's not time to rebuild it. Why wasn't it time to rebuild it? God has this problem with the people of Judah. Well, why is that a problem? Why is it a problem that the temple continued to lie in ruin? When you read through the first 11 verses of Haggai chapter 1, the problem becomes so clear As they rebuilt Jerusalem, the Jews were prioritizing themselves over God. In their rebuilding process, what did we say this is about? This is about priorities. The people of Judah were prioritizing themselves over God and over God's house. He says that in a couple of different ways in this text. First, we find that the people of Judah were rebuilding their own houses while neglecting God's house look at that in verse number four so God tells them the problem in verse two he says these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord then he asks them a question in verse number four is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins can you see the problem there can you see the disconnect there In verse number two, oh no, it's not time to rebuild the house of the Lord. It's not time for us to undertake that project yet. But when you go to verse 4, God says, well, how is it time for you to rebuild your own houses? If it's not time for you to rebuild the house of the Lord, how is it time for you to rebuild your own homes? It's not just them rebuilding their houses as quickly as they could. Notice in verse 4, He calls them paneled houses. Back in this time, if you had paneling on your interior walls, that was something that was considered to be very luxurious. That was something that was expensive. Not everybody had that. So here's the people of Judah. They're going about their rebuilding process. They're rebuilding their homes and rebuilding them to the best of their ability. They're rebuilding them in luxury. They're rebuilding them in the best way that they possibly can. And God takes issue with that. Because they were prioritizing themselves over Him. They were rebuilding their own homes, but look at God's house. It's still lying on the ground. It's a problem of priorities. Notice that again in verse number 9. God says, You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. So the Jews were going, out this, going through this rebuilding process, and God tells them, Look at what's been happening. Every time you take a step forward, you take two steps back. He says, you're not making any progress in your rebuilding. And the question in verse number 9 is, why? Why, declares the Lord. Why aren't we making any progress? Why aren't we getting anywhere? And here's the answer that God gives them. Because of my house that lies in ruins... While each of you busies himself with his own house. They were so busy rebuilding their own homes. But what about God's house? They were using all of their energy. They were using all of their resources. They were using all of their effort and all of their manpower to rebuild their own homes to make sure they had a place to live. But what about God? What about God's house? God's house continued to lie on the ground while each person busied themselves rebuilding their own homes. But it's not just about them rebuilding their own homes. When you skip down to chapter 1 and verse 6, God points out to them that they were rebuilding their own lives while neglecting God's house. Chapter 1 and verse 6 lists a number of different things. He tells them in verse 6, You have sown much. They're rebuilding their infrastructure. They're replanting their crops you have so much. He talks to them in verse 6 about how you eat. They're taking in food for themselves, making sure they have the food that they need. You drink. They're making sure they have the water that they need. You clothe yourselves. You're making sure that you're going to stay warm whenever it gets cold. Making sure you have the water that you need. You earn wages. You're rebuilding your bank account. You're rebuilding your livelihood. You're earning wages and you're putting that money away. The people of Judah were rebuilding their lives when they come back from captivity. But notice the contrast in verse 6. See, we only read half of verse 6. Notice the contrast. You have sown much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. What happens when you take your money and you put it into a bag with a hole in it? It's going to fall right out the bottom. It's like what we said a minute ago. They weren't getting anywhere in this rebuilding process. Every time they took a step forward, they took two steps back. You know why? It's because God wasn't at the center of it. It's because God wasn't their number one priority. His house was not their number one pursuit. They were prioritizing themselves over Him. They could seek after prosperity all that they wanted. But until God was at the center of their lives, it wasn't going to get them anywhere. They could make sure that they have the money and the, and the food and the drink and the clothes that they need. They could make sure that they replant all of their crops, but it's not going to work out into their advantage. It's not going to get them anywhere until God is their number one focus. Until God is their number one pursuit. And so as the people of Judah go about their rebuilding process, God looks at them and says, I have a problem with you. And it's not a problem With your rebuilding, it's a problem with your priorities. You're prioritizing yourselves over me. You're rebuilding your lives. You're rebuilding your homes while my house continues to lie in ruin. So what do they need to do about that? How do they need to respond to that? God tells them twice in this text. Once in verse 5 and then again in verse 7. I want you to consider your ways. You're so busy rebuilding your homes. You're so busy rebuilding your lives. He says, what I need you to do is pause for just a second. Pause and think about this. Think about what you're doing. Consider your ways. I have this problem against you. And it's that you're prioritizing yourselves over me. You have all the time in the world to rebuild your lives and to rebuild your homes, but you don't have any time to rebuild my house? God says, that's a problem. And so what they needed to do, what God invites them to do, not just in this section, but throughout the entirety of the book of Haggai, is He says, I want you to stop and consider. I want you to stop and think. In other words, there needs to be a change. There needs to be a shift in your priorities. God wants them to understand their number one priority shouldn't be their own homes. Their number one priority shouldn't be their own lives their number one priority should be God. God's house. The place where He is worshipped. And that's what God wants to point out to them. He has a problem with their rebuilding process and it's a problem of priorities. Now looking at where we are in Mayfield, three months out from the disaster, perhaps we need to stop And reflect on a very important question. Do you think that it's possible? Maybe not talking about right now in the present, maybe talking about right now in the present. Especially as we look forward to the future, as we begin this process of rebuilding, do you think that it's possible that God could have the same problem with us that He had with them? Do you think it's possible? That God could have the same problem with our rebuilding process that He had with their rebuilding process in the first 11 verses of Haggai chapter 1. In other words, the question is, what do our priorities look like? In this rebuilding process that we're going to be involved in into the foreseeable future, what should our number one priority be? Like we said a minute ago, in Mayfield, we've experienced a lot of destruction. And the next step after destruction is rebuilding. There are a lot of people who have already began that process. There are people rebuilding their homes. We're rebuilding our community, our infrastructure, our businesses. There are some church buildings that need to be rebuilt. People are rebuilding their lives. And that's a good thing. I don't want you to hear me or think that you're hearing me say otherwise this morning. It is a good thing that we're rebuilding Mayfield. This is our home. And when we look at the destruction in our home, it's our responsibility to rebuild it. That's what we've been trying to do here at Seven Oaks in our disaster relief efforts. You know, we haven't reached the finish line on that. We haven't reached the end. We're going to continue to serve. We're going to continue to help in any way that we can to help those rebuild what they've lost three months ago. But the question still remains. As we step into this rebuilding process, could God have the same problem with us that He had with them? Could God have the same problem with our rebuilding process that He had with their rebuilding process? What do our priorities look like? It boils down to this question. As we enter into a time of rebuilding, what should our number one priority be? I'm not saying that rebuilding Mayfield is not important. You didn't hear me say that. I'm not saying that rebuilding Mayfield is not a priority because it is. But the question is, what should our number one priority be? Could it be the case that some of us in here this morning are allowing God's house to lie in ruin while we rebuild our own homes and we rebuild our own lives and we rebuild our own infrastructure? Let's take a detour here for just a second. What is God's house today Because when we talk about God's house today, we're not talking about the same thing that Haggai's talking about in Haggai chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. So as we live under the new covenant of Jesus, what is God's house today? Well, if you go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, Paul talks to Timothy midway through 15 about the household of God. Well, what is the household of God? He says it is the church of the living God. When we talk about God's house today, we're not talking about a physical structure in a physical location like the temple in Jerusalem made out of brick or mortar or stone. When we talk about God's house today, we're talking about the church. The church of God is the house of God, and the house of God is the church of God. When we talk about God's household, we're talking about our relationships with Him, And we're talking about our relationships with one another. It's like what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16. He asks, do you not know that you are God's temple? And that God's Spirit dwells in you. As the church of our Lord, we are God's house. We are God's temple. God's Spirit dwells in us both collectively and individually. And so, now that we've taken that detour, let's go back to this question. Is it possible that God could have the same problem with us, our rebuilding process, our priorities that He had with the people of Judah in Haggai chapter 1? Maybe three months removed from this disaster, we need to take a minute to consider our ways. Maybe we need to take a minute to consider our decisions, to consider how we're living, to consider our priorities. In this rebuilding process, what should our number one priority be? Are there some of us in here this morning who are allowing God's house to lie in ruin while we rebuild our own houses? Are there people in here this morning who have gotten caught up and prioritizing yourself over God? Are we allowing our relationships with God to lie in ruin and destruction while we rebuild our community and we rebuild our infrastructure? Are we allowing our relationships with one another to be not very important to us, to be damaged, to be not very strong while we rebuild buildings and businesses and homes? What should our number one priority be in this rebuilding process? We find in Haggai chapter 1 that our number one priority should be God. As with any other circumstances in our lives. As we enter into this rebuilding process, our number one priority should be strengthening God's house. Strengthening those areas where we're weak. Growing in our relationships with Him. Flourishing in our relationships with one another. Maybe it's time for us to consider our ways. Because when you go to Philippians, the second chapter, in verse number 21, Paul talks about his associates. And he talks about their priorities. He says, for they all seek their own interest and not those of Jesus Christ. That's not just descriptive of of Paul's associates in Philippians 2, but that's descriptive of the Jews in Haggai chapter 1. They were looking out for themselves. They were rebuilding their own homes and their own lives while neglecting God's house. They were looking out for their own interest and not even thinking about the interest of their God. We can't fall into that kind of thinking. As we enter into this rebuilding process, we can't just seek after our own interests and allow the interest of Jesus to lie and ruin. We have to adopt the interest of Jesus into our hearts and minds to make His interest our number one priority. To make His interest the center of our lives so that everything in our lives is controlled not by what I want, but by what Jesus wants. Jesus offers a command that's tied to a promise in Matthew chapter 6, and verse 33, He says, but seek first. Pause. What's He talking to us about there? He's talking to us about priority, isn't He? He doesn't say seek second, third, fourth, or fifth. He doesn't say, hey, seek this, pursue this when you have the time. When you have energy left over from everything else in your life. No, He says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Make God the center of your life. Make His kingdom. Make His house. Make His righteousness your number one pursuit on a daily basis. You know what's so beautiful about fulfilling that command? Whenever we seek God and His kingdom and His righteousness first, according to the context of Matthew chapter 6, we don't have to worry about anything in our lives. In the context of Matthew 6, Jesus is saying you don't have to worry about food, you don't have to worry about clothing, you don't have to worry about drink or shelter when you seek God first. Because when you seek God first, He's going to take care of you. He's going to make sure you have the things that you need. When you seek Him, His kingdom, and His righteousness first, Jesus says all these things will be added to you. We could say it this way, when rebuilding God's house is our number one priority, God is going to be the one who rebuilds our houses. Do you think that Mayfield, do you think that any given congregation of the Lord's church in Graves County needs to hear that message? When rebuilding God's house, strengthening our relationships with Him and one another, when that's our number one priority in life, God will be the one who rebuilds our houses. God will be the one who rebuilds our lives. Do you trust Him? Are you willing to take Him at His word? Seek First, the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. The Jews in the book of Haggai didn't get that. In their rebuilding process, they didn't get it right. As we enter into this rebuilding process, we have the chance to get it right. Right. We have the chance to do it the right way, to rebuild in such a way that our priorities and our lives are exactly what God wants them to be. So, when you look back over the last three months, what have your priorities looked like? Have you seen damage in God's house? Have you seen damage in your relationship with Him? Are you allowing some things in your relationship with the church, your relationship with Jesus, to lie in ruin while you busy yourself with so many other things? Are you looking out for your interest? Or are you looking out for Jesus' interest? Are you seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness in our rebuilding process? That's who we have to be. And that's what we have to do. If that's not who you are, If that's not what you're doing right now, we'd love to help you as Ben comes and leads us in our song of invitation.